Father in heaven, I thank you that you have made us a family. I thank you because you've brought us together for such a time as this. I thank you that we got to be born in this time, Lord, where we're seeing more miracles, we're seeing more salvations. There are more people that follow you, God, on earth right now and believe in you than in all, all of history before. Thank you, Lord, that there are more people that are following you and know you than there are in heaven right now. Say <laughs> la. So we glorify you, and I ask that you would anoint this word as I convey from your scripture the gospel of Jesus Christ and the story of who you are with us. I pray that it would be clear, and I pray that our hearts would be able to receive it, that we could continue to extend your kingdom and to share the good news of who you are, God. Amen. If you're uh, here for the first time or just completely unaware, we're going through a series right now called The Story. We're going through the story of God with man and what he has done. And what it is is a beautiful book where we're using excerpts from the scripture and seeing the history of what's written in the Bible in story form. If you're here for the very first time, I want to give you a gift. I'm going to give you a copy of the story. We are in week 13, and we're in a 31-week series. So what we're doing is that can be your daily reading, is to read through the book of the story, which is the scriptures, in a chronological form. I want to encourage you, if you're not following along, think about following along. If you come to Christ Center and, and you're thinking, well, I have my own devotional times, well, praise God, that's wonderful. Maybe join with us. Grab the story. We can, you can buy a copy, I think, for, what, five bucks or something? It's very inexpensive. But we have some at the table back here. So today, if you haven't jumped on board, jump on board. And if you're here for the first time, you get it for free. So come on, good job. So here we are. We're going to talk about chapter 13, the king who had it all, Solomon. And I'm going to presuppose that you read the story, but I'm going to paraphrase it for you just in case you didn't. Solomon is probably, in my mind, among some of the sad, one of the more sad stories. We think of Solomon, and most of us remember the story of, of when he first got to demonstrate his wisdom. Solomon is the son of David. Bathsheba uh, took David, or took, ba uh, sorry, David took Bathsheba, slept with her, killed her husband, and then had Solomon, the second child that they had. So Solomon has experienced and grown up with some drama. He's seen some bad things happen. But God loves Solomon, and he says, I'm going to make Solomon king. So David says, this, this of all my sons, David had lots and lots of wives and lots and lots of sons, but this is the son God has selected. So David goes ahead, and he promotes Solomon. He keeps his promise to Bathsheba. Solomon becomes king. Solomon is a young man. He's been nurtured by his mother growing up, and she's taught him lots and lots of wisdom, and you can read that in the Proverbs. But Solomon, when he becomes king, he goes and he makes a bunch of sacrifices. And that night, after sacrificing to the Lord, God appears to him in a dream, and he says, Solomon, ask me whatever you want, and I'll give it to you. And this is Solomon's great moment, one of a few great moments that Solomon had. And he says, Lord, I'm just a little child, and you've made me king over this great people, over this great nation. So give me wisdom that I would be able to direct them and lead them as, I'm, as I should. 
And God is so pleased with Solomon's answer. He says, you didn't ask for riches. You didn't ask for the death of your enemies. You didn't ask that I would extend your rule and your reign, but rather you asked for wisdom. And Solomon, I'm so proud of you that not only am I gonna make you the wisest man that's ever lived, the wisest man, the world's never seen what I'm gonna put into you, Solomon, but I'm also gonna give you what you didn't ask for. I'm gonna give you great wisdom, but I'm gonna give you great wealth. I'm gonna give you all these extraordinary things, and you're gonna be able to live in peace. This is what I'm gonna do for you, Solomon. And so Solomon gets off to a great start. And the story we're all familiar with, of course, is the two prostitutes who come in. One of them's had a baby that died. She takes the other lady's baby. They both had children. And the, the, the one who was not the mother says, it's, it's my child, it's my child. And the mother says, no, no, it's mine. And so Solomon says, bring me a sword. So they bring a sword and he says, cut the baby in half. The woman whose child it was says, no, 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 don't worry about it. You know what, if, if that's the solution, then just let her have the child because her heart was moved with compassion for her own child. She'd rather another woman raise her child than to see her child die. But the one who had stolen the baby says, oh, no, no, go ahead and cut the baby in two. That's, a, that's justice. That's perfect. We'll both get nothing. Sounds like political correctness right there, doesn't it? So at any rate, that way no one will be happy. Yes. And so the, the, the woman, the Solomon in his wisdom, he says, he says give, give, it to the, give it to the first woman. That's obviously the mother. And, the, and Israel sees this brilliant um, situation and they say, wow, truly the wisdom of God is with Solomon. And so he begins his career and he starts off wonderfully well. He makes extraordinary political decisions. He studies, he follows God, he builds, he builds the temple that David was not able to build. David was a man of blood and God said, I don't want a man of war building a place that will house my presence. And boy, that's a good preach, but I can't get into that. So Solomon is able as a man of peace to build the temple of God, and he does that. And he starts out well, but you know what? He finishes very poorly. And what he does for Solomon, what he ends up doing is Solomon has a little bit of a problem. He is a hedonist, and he loves women. And he has 700 wives, and he has a couple of hundred concubines, and he does the very thing that God told him not to do. God told Solomon, in the, or I'm sorry, he told Israel in the law before Solomon was born. He says, do not marry, do not intermarry with the daughters of these other nations who serve these pagan gods, lest when you intermarry, then your heart will be carried away and you will end up serving other gods. And Solomon, in all of his wisdom, is filled with hubris. How many of you guys know what hubris is? Hubris is someone who has too much self-confidence. It's arrogance. Hubris is thinking too much of yourself. I, uh, the other day I was talking about hubris with Jason, and uh, I don't know if you know, but I grew up in a little town called Cedarville. There's like 800 people, and you can just make up however words need to sound. And I said, dreams of grandeur. And Jason said, dreams of what now? I said, grandeur, and he said, you mean grandeur? <laughs> That's right, I'm telling you that story because he would just tell you later, and it hurts less if I tell it. <laughs> I used to have dreams of grandeur that I enunciated really well. Now I'm now healed of that. Nonetheless, Solomon's hubris led him in to actually believing that he could make his own rules, that because he was the wisest man on the earth, and God actually said that about him, 
Solomon, I'm going to give you so much wisdom that you will be the wisest man on the earth. And that's amazing. And let's just read for a moment what the first thing was as you read the Proverbs of Solomon. This, this was the beginning. This was the key. Solomon learned this when he went before God at the beginning of his life and made the sacrifices. And, and, and God said, what would you have me do for you, Solomon? And he says, give me wisdom. And so God gave Solomon wisdom. And Solomon writes here in Proverbs 1-7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. This is my favorite scripture, by the way. I don't, do, uh, I don't really do a lot of marriage counseling anymore, but my favorite line to start with in marriage counseling was this. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. And that would really anger both people right away. And so, and, and I'll be honest, I was hoping they'd just get mad and leave at that point. But I would say, I love this scripture because it gives us the choice, it gives us the opportunity to decide, do I want to be someone who is wise, or do I want to be a fool? Because I actually get to decide right now. And you know how I get to decide whether I'm wise or whether I'm a fool? I will take instruction from someone else. But Solomon, filled with hubris, filled with this idea, he begins to violate the very things that he knows. He begins to seek other knowledge. Isn't it amazing that the smartest man in the world gave in to the oldest trick in the book from the enemy? The enemy comes and he takes something and he tempts us with it. He finds the area of our life. He finds the thing in our life that we want. Now Solomon, of all people, was born after David had stolen his mother from Uriah. And that was the very thing, was coveting and lusting after something that he was not supposed to do. And in that area, Solomon began to depart from God. He began to depart from the fear of the Lord. He lost sight of that beginning point. And in that point, you know what, Solomon? He became a fool. The smartest man in the world became a fool. Now, I want to give you a little background, and I want to unpack a couple of things this morning, but this is a very straightforward message, and I'm hoping that you'll really come away with one thing, and I'll tell you what that one thing is as we unpack this, but I'll give you a big hint. It looks a lot like this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. If you want to be wise, you must fear the Lord above all other things. If you want to be wise, the beginning point of that is to submit yourself to the reality that he is God and you are not. He is God and I am not. He is God and I am not. He created all. I did not. You see, God defined and created reality. So to trust him is to perceive reality. Did you catch that? I'm going to say it again. God defined and created reality. So to trust him is to perceive reality. It's to see reality as it is. And when we depart 
from allowing God. I say allowing, that's not right. When we depart from believing what God says to be true, we depart from believing what is true. We depart from sanity. And it's that simple. I, I actually wish it was a little more complicated because then we'd have at least some kind of an excuse. But, but really there isn't. He, he created everything and then said, this is how things work. I must be preeminent in your life or your life will become death. With Adam and Eve, he said, here's the, tr- the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat from that tree. And here it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So you can either come to me to know what you need to know, or you can eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And what are you going to learn in the knowledge of good and evil? If you know God, what do you know? You already know good. Are you with me? But if you go to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, what's the new thing that you can now know? There you go. And when we depart from the fear of the Lord, when we depart from him being the preeminent part of our life, when we depart from allowing him to define reality, we're not, we're not learning some deeper truth. We're not finding some new nuances. We're not evolving beyond those, those prehistoric numbskulls in the Bible. No, what we're doing is doing the exact same thing that we've seen happen in history over and over again. And like Solomon, who, by the way, was much smarter than us, we have an accumulated knowledge base that we have access to. But Solomon was smarter than us. And he departed from the fear of the Lord and ended in shambles. And and let me tell you this part of the story. I said I was going to, and now I better. Solomon's life ended horrifically. God gave him mercy, but Solomon tore the kingdom in half, more than half. He destroyed it. He did the very things that God said not to do and led Israel and, and, and all of the Israelites into sin, into worshiping other gods, and God had to tear the kingdom away. And he actually came to Solomon and said, Solomon, because of what you've done, because you've served these other gods, the kingdom is going to be torn away. But because of my promise to David, who never departed from me in his heart, when he sinned, he repented. When he blew it, he came back. Solomon, you haven't come back, and you haven't repented. You know, it's amazing. Solomon ends up, and the key things that are pointed out in the, in the scriptures, it says that Solomon worshipped both Ashtaroth and Moloch. Two gods that, that God specific, well, they're, you know, little gods, but two demonic deities that God specifically told the Israelites, do not do what these guys do. Now, he said, don't serve any other idols, don't serve any other gods. But these are the two gods that he singled out and said, don't you ever do this. Ashtaroth's main and specific worship practice is ritual prostitution. It's the deification of sex. It's making sex your spiritual duty. It's perverting something that God made beautiful to create life and connection as two become one, and now suddenly it's being prostituted, it's being deified. Well, where was Solomon's heart? He's got 700 wives. Solomon has a problem. If he were in Hollywood today, he would be like, I have a problem. I am an addict. 
So he was the, he was the, he had an issue. Now here's something else that's amazing. He then moves on because of intermarrying with other wives, because of lowering the standard of fearing the Lord, he also moves on and he allows the worship of Molech. And Molech, they throw their kids into the fire to satisfy the god Molech. You burn one of your children and this is how you satiate him so that you'll be blessed. So look at the descent of Solomon, the smartest man in the world, descends into ritual, the, uh, uh, a religion of ritual prostitution and allows this to happen in his kingdom in front of God. And not only that, but then he goes on and he intermarries with other wives and allows the worship of Molech. And we look at this and we go, how in the world did you get to that point, Solomon? How did this happen? And we'd like to believe that it's a huge mystery, wouldn't we? Okay, I would like to believe it's a huge mystery. The rest of you are amazing. <laughs> but what happened was that Solomon departed from the fear of the Lord. So if the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, and God defined and created reality, then to trust him is to perceive reality as it is. <laughs> it's the sane thing to do. It's choosing sanity. It's saying, God, you get to define where the boundaries are. You get to define what is good and what is evil. You get to define what is right and what is wrong. You get to define what it should look like, where the motivation should come from, what the, bad side, what the bedside manner is like while doing it. Does this make sense? It's us accepting that there's an order to things and we are not the ones who determine that order. He's the one that said, you can have a drink, but you cannot get drunk. You can enjoy food, but you cannot make food your God. You can have a wife, but I don't want you to have 12 wives. Are you with me? You see, we've not created ourselves, and we are dependent upon the one who defines. And here's the, here's the, here's the hard part. When we reject the fear of the Lord, we break from reality. Did you catch that? You see, if, if to fear the Lord is to perceive reality as it is, than to reject the fear of the Lord, the respect and honor and love, but also a true fear of knowing that he actually defines things. How many of you fear gravity? Yeah, under the right, under the right circumstances, you should have a holy fear of gravity. It speaks of the reality of God, and some of us have been on the wrong end of gravity. I feel like the older I get, the more on the wrong end of gravity that I'm getting. You know? That is the truth, and I will leave it right there. <laughs> you see, to reject the fear of the Lord is to break from reality. It involves purposeful foolishness and eventually outright evil. To reject the fear of the Lord is to break from reality. And it involves purposeful foolishness 
Because what does this say? Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Have you ever tried to start a lifestyle of sin in front of other people that love you and love God? It's, it's hard, isn't it? Because they won't shut up. Like, just shut up, okay? Don't judge me. What am I really saying, you know? Don't you love that? I love it. I'm, okay, take it easy. Focus, Joshua, focus. It's very hard to do, isn't it? It's very hard to do because they love you. And so I have to actually actively choose to despise wisdom and instruction in that moment. And I will probably have to do it by removing myself from seeing you because when I see you, I know what you're going to ask me. Hey, how's that thing going? What thing? You know exactly what thing. I know you know exactly what thing because you haven't texted me in two weeks and the last thing we talked about was that thing. Oh, that thing. Oh, that thing. Well, I've been, a lot, I've been busy. I've been busy. And, uh, and, and it's going terrible. It's going terrible. And they will remind you who you are. And they will instruct you. And they will help you to understand that what's happening is you're starting. I am starting to embrace a lifestyle that does not have the fear of the Lord in it anymore. You guys still with me? All right. Now, how do we get into this? How do we, how do we end up in this place that Solomon ended up in? The, the, the thing I want us to see is we look at Solomon's story and we think, I would never do that, especially if I was as smart as Solomon. And I just want us to know right now, making that statement means you would totally do that because you think you're actually smarter than Solomon. You think you have a different situation than Solomon. You think knowledge apart from anything else will help you. And I tell you, it will not. It will not. There was a trucker and he was loaded up with a huge piece of equipment and he was driving over um, uh, Highway 58 going over the pass. This was several years back. There was a blizzard coming and he was trying to outrun the blizzard. We knew it was happening. We knew it was gonna be huge. It was supposed to happen for a few days and it would clear up, but it was just one of those organ things. So he's just moving, trying to beat this blizzard. A lot of traffic, because a lot of people are trying to get to one side of the mountain or the other, because otherwise you're gonna be locked out for like three days according to the weather. And it was coming, it was a huge deal. So anyway, he comes flying through, and how many of you have gone Highway 58, there's that tunnel? He comes flying through that tunnel, and his load is too tall for that tunnel, like by six inches. And so he comes driving in, he's got enough momentum going that he gets the whole truck in the tunnel. Totally wrecked the machine that was on there. He cannot move. The front of the truck that's pulling the trailer tweaks to the side, so he's blocking the other lane. Luckily, no one was hurt, but no one's going in or out of that tunnel. And here comes the blizzard. So it's coming down, but here's the deal. There's like 20 cars on this side trying to go east or west, and there's 20 cars, 20, or I don't know, but about the same on the other side trying to go east. So east and west, everybody's locked up people do what they do. Everybody gets out. Everybody's okay. Thank God. What are we going to do? Well, there was actually an engineer that was there about four cars back, and he gets out, and he's taking a look at this thing, and he starts sharing all the parts of this. He's like, number one, like, what's the structural integrity of this tunnel? Like, you just hit this thing at 60 miles an hour and jammed this giant piece, 80,000 pounds 
of metal into it. You're jackknifed this way. Let's see, if we tried to like hook onto something and pull out, I don't know if that would be a good idea. So they're going back and forth, they're going back and forth, and, and, and it's getting worse. And, there's, and then there's another, there's a teacher there, and she's a sweetheart, she's doing math. She's like, okay, I actually read about the Donner Party and how they had to eat each other, and she's kind of freaking out. So she's talking about that, you know, it's getting cold. And then somebody else, there was, um, I don't know, like a IT guy or something. He's doing the math on like how long their fuel's gonna last because it's three days, you know what I mean? Three days in this blizzard, temperature's dropping. Everybody's saying everything. They're all bringing what they know. And it's a pretty bad case, you know, it's a worst case scenario kind of thing going on. And so finally this little 12-year-old comes up and he's looking around, you know, he's like, you know, asks his mom, mom, can I get out and look? She's like, you can look, but you know, leave the people alone. The adults are talking, they're gonna figure this out. So he's looking around, he's looking around and, and he goes, hey, 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 I got something. I got an idea. I got an idea. And they're looking at him like, yeah, you got an idea. He's like, no, 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 I, I got an idea. And they're like, kid, you ain't smart enough to have an idea. This guy is an engineer that works here in Eugene. He has designed several uh, buildings. He, he's, a, he's, a, he's, 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 he's smarter than, you know, Mike Kaiser, who's also an engineer. And so they keep shutting him up. And he says, but no, seriously, I do know something. I really do. I know something about this. I, I, I have a solution. They're like, son, you do not have a solution. You're not smart enough to have a solution. He says, okay, listen. He goes, just give me a chance. They're like, okay, fine. You know, if you'll shut up, we'll, we'll listen to you. He says, all right. He goes, listen, I don't know anything about all the things you're talking about. I have no idea about all that. I don't know how long it's going to take us to die. I don't know how cold it's going to get. I don't know how long the fuel is going to last. I don't know what the structural integrity of the, of the tunnel is. I, I don't know any of that. I don't, I don't know. I really don't. But here's what I do know. If you let the air out of the tires of that trailer, it's going to drop six inches. And from where I'm standing, it looks like it only needs to drop about three. <laughs> it's what you know that's really important. And sometimes we get distracted by all the things that we could know. We get distracted by all the things that we hear. We get distracted by all the statistics and all the forward thinking. We get distracted by the idea that, that, that someone comes and says, well, you had a bad background and this and that and whatever. Okay, so information, knowledge can distract us from the thing that we do know. See, we don't know about all that, but we do know that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I, I, don't, I don't know about all that. I don't. I don't know about all that. I don't know about what that fruit's like in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But I do know this. I'm going to trust in the Lord with all of my heart, and I'm not going to lean on my own understanding. In all my ways, I'm going to submit to him, and he will make my path straight. And this is, this is where Solomon went wrong. Solomon was so smart. And let's be honest, we Americans think we're so smart because the Google tells us that we are. You know what I love about the Google? I love the Google. Ever since I found the Google, I don't even need the Holy Spirit anymore. I don't. If I see something that I don't like, I go check the Google, and then I just find several websites that agree with how I already feel. They totally validate me. I send all those forwards to the person that I disagree with. The downside is then they go to the Google and then they find a whole bunch of stuff that agrees with what they agree with and we just argue. And the, so maybe the Google's not that awesome. I might have been being a little flippant. 
but you see what I'm saying. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. You know, I mentioned Google because we have this idea that more knowledge means more wisdom, that knowing more stuff means that we have better character. We think that finding an argument for something that we already want to believe means that we have more knowledge and therefore we can go and try to experience that. And in the name of seeking understanding, we depart from the fear of the Lord. We begin to trust in our own understanding. We lean on our own understanding. And we stop trusting the Lord with all of our heart. You see, our love for God with all of our heart is based on trust. It's based on the reality of his character. When, we, when Jason came up and said, listen, let's take a moment and let's remember this Christ who came in the fullness of times. And as we continue to unpack this story, you see what's happening. Christ came as an answer to the problem of sin, to the problem of death, to the problem of pride, to the problem of hubris. And he came and not only preached the good news, but demonstrated the commitment of this father, this Lord who says, trust me. And I will give you proof of my love. I will give you proof of who I am in Christ Jesus. And Christ Jesus came as the proof of God's love. And not only came, not only gave good knowledge, good news, good words, but he became the word and he obeyed as the word the very things written about him and died. It says he obeyed even unto death, death on a cross. So when God says to us in the scriptures, and he says this through Solomon, and Solomon unfortunately didn't listen to his own wisdom, trust in the Lord with all your heart. It's because he is trustworthy. When we're we're coming to this place, and this is where it comes home for us now, guys, when we're coming to this place of, of, of deciding how shall I act, what shall I believe, it must begin with the understanding of the revelation of who God is. Because I will tell you this, he will not explain everything to you. He will not explain everything to us. He won't. He does not have to. And in point of fact, it would explode our little minds. Like we just can't. How many of us understand that we keep trying to contain God inside of our understanding? And he is infinite. And we are finite. And so this idea that God must explain himself to us in every single situation before we will honor him and fear him in that situation is hubris. It's us, like Solomon, saying, I want what I want, and I demand an explanation from you as to why. And, you know, state your case, God, and I'll find an article on Google that tells me we've progressed beyond that. I will find an article that tells me that that's backwards, narrow-minded thinking from back in the day. And when we have departed from trusting God with all of our heart, when we've departed from the, the application of the scripture, little by little by little, we don't even need the scriptures anymore. We really just need another good article online that gives us permission to do what we've already wanted to do. 
And then we're no different than Solomon, who started out trusting God with all of his heart and all of his mind and all of his strength, humbling himself and saying, Lord, the fear of you is the beginning of wisdom. You bring to light what makes sense. You bring purpose. You bring value. There's joy in you. You you and I know this, that the joy of the Lord is our strength, which means to not have the joy of the Lord is to not have strength. And how many of you have read Ecclesiastes? The rantings of a cynical, smart guy. If you doubt, I don't remember what scripture it is, but in the moment of his brilliant, cynical life, having departed from the fear of the Lord, he's so terrible. Of the thousand men, I've only found one good. And of women, not one. This is the wisdom of, this is the wisdom of Solomon at this point. It says that. There's one good guy out of a thousand, and there are no good women. Way to blame shift, Solomon. You leave God, you marry a bunch of ladies with false gods, and then you're shocked that Satan eats your lunch and pops the bag. Little shout out to Red. (laughs) He's blaming them, but what's the point? He departed from the fear of the Lord. And now, nothing makes sense. In fact, he says, I was the smartest guy in the world and it's all vanity. I knew everything and it's all vanity. I got rich and it was all vanity. And what's he really saying? In the end, he, he says this. He says, enjoy your work. Enjoy your food. Honor God in everything that you do because you will give an account for what you do. And that's how he ends Ecclesiastes. Now, he ended his life knowing that he led Israel to its destruction. He turned from God and departed from trusting God with all of his heart. And he ends in shame, knowing that the kingdom will be stolen by another one from his son. He knows this will happen because God told him it would happen because Solomon had turned from God. And he realizes that all of his pursuits, everything he did once he had departed from trusting God with all of his heart, has put himself, and not only himself, but his nation in this place where it's going to be wrecked because of him. He realizes all of his pursuits outside of trusting God They're meaningless. And where does that really begin? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And to depart from the fear of the Lord is the beginning of having a life that's meaningless. So you can do whatever you want. Doesn't that mean then that nothing matters? And if nothing matters, then what are you left with? So where's the good news? The good news is this. What's the application for us in this? Well, praise God, in Christ we see that God redeems all things. In Christ we know that he comes and we're gonna get to that story. But where are we today with this? What what can Solomon say to our heart right now? What What can both the victories and the failures of this man speak to us right now? What can we walk away with today? Well, We can walk away with trust in the Lord with all your heart. It's his character. It's his character. When you wonder if he's trustworthy, look at a God who said, I did not come to kill. I didn't come to judge. I actually came to save. And the reason why I'm able to do that is not because I lowered the standard, but because I myself will redeem you with my own blood because I'm that committed to you. And so I'm asking you, based on the strength of that reality, Trust me. 
Trust me, even when you don't understand right now, just trust me. Lean not on your own understanding. Lean not on your own understanding. I have a great little story, and I'm going to wrap this thing up. I was uh, listening to a CD. I was with a friend of mine. I'm not going to name names. And uh, he, he, he says, hey, I want you to hear this new band. I said, great. I get, in the, I get in the truck. He pulls out a CD. By the way, this was back when there were CDs. And um, puts it in the CD player, which is a player of CDs, and um, starts playing the music. And, and it was all right. You know, it was all right. And so I'm kind of listening, and da 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 And he plays a few more songs. And so he's like, so what do you think? And you know how you, okay, you guys probably don't believe that I do this, but I actually think about what I'm going to say right before I say it. It's a very, very short time. Very, very, very short. Okay, okay, here's what it is. I actually realize what the last nine words are going to be when I say something as I'm starting to say the first 12. How's that? Okay, so there's a little, 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 anyway. So he says, what do you think? And here's what's going through my mind. So I did start. I said, well, it sounds pretty good. And the next thought was going to be, but the bass sounds pretty weak. And so I'm like, it sounds pretty good. And the Holy Spirit goes, and shut up. And I was like, whoop, and I just shut up. I did, I just shut up. I said, it sounds pretty good, but, but what? But no, I mean, it sounds pretty good. Who is it? He goes, that's my band. And I play bass. <laughs> and I was like, thank you, Jesus. <sighs> now you guys gotta know, I'm a righteous man. And you know what I'm committed to? Truth telling. And I believe in healthy confrontation. I do. And I believe it doesn't help people to not tell them the truth. So those are all good and righteous things, aren't they? I mean, in the principle of things, shouldn't I tell the man? I mean, shouldn't I have led with the truth about this? What's your first impression? My first impression is a pretty good band, but the bass is pretty weak. They had to work on that. They had to talk to that guy. You know what? God is smarter than me. He is. He's bigger than me. He knows stuff I don't know. And when I lean not on my own understanding, which would have been all those good things I just told you about, right? I didn't say any of it because he said, the Holy Spirit just said, shut up, don't say that. And I said, okay, and I didn't. And then I found out he's that guy, and I went, oh, I'm so glad. Because you know what I didn't have? I didn't have the depth of relationship to say that. He wasn't asking me in that way. He was really saying, I'm really proud of this, and I poured my heart into it. What do you think? And it was great. It was good because God wanted to bless that man. God cares about that man. God knows what's going on in that man's life. That man doesn't need another critic. He didn't need somebody who says, you know what, your effort is weak. Your contribution, not that great. <laughs> They'd be better off without you, buddy. <laughs> but the Lord told me that. And this is in real time, and this is the part where I want all of us to grab. I want all of us to grab this. God's with you each day. You have the spirit of God in you. So lean not on your own understanding. Trust in the Lord in each situation. You got an accounting situation? Boy, I could get away with this. What do you think, Lord? I don't think I like sentences that start with, I could get away with this. <laughs> oh, you're totally right. It just takes a moment. But you go back to, I fear God. He defines reality. In this situation, Lord, I understand that there's two choices. And honestly, it's not black and white. What do you think, Lord? And he will speak to you when you lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him. How do we do that? Just like I just told you. And then he will make your path straight. You won't wake up someday killing your baby in a fire 
practicing ritual prostitution with the gods of Ashtoreth and their prostitutes. You won't wake up someday an absolute alcoholic who's wrecked your whole life and no one can trust you. You won't wake up someday having an affair with one of your colleagues. No, that was a comedy of errors, a tragedy of errors. Little by little by little by little, you stopped trusting the Lord. You stopped uh, leaning on him instead of your own understanding. You started rationalizing things. And little by little by little, after you became old, and that's what it says, after he became old, Solomon's heart was hardened, and he turned after, after other gods, and he sold his whole nation into slavery. And you and I are in the same place today, and the message is the same today. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. So today, if you have, and you, and you know, you know, you know, as I was preaching, you were like, ah, like the Spirit of God was already moving. He's already reminding you, oh, you don't fear me in this place anymore. You're like, I know, I really don't. And he's saying, put the fear of the Lord back in this place. Let me define reality. Stop justifying and ask me what I think about it. And so as we leave today, I want you to go home. This is your homework for this week. Let the Spirit of God begin to speak into those places where you've stopped inviting him. Let him speak to those places where you're constantly, frantically looking for articles to justify the gods of your favorite lust partner. You know what I'm saying. The places where you're looking for something to justify behaviors that you once knew were wrong. Take those things, bring them before the Lord, and repent of them, and let him tell you what reality is, and he'll make your path straight. Father, I pray that as we leave today, God, that you would work in us, Holy Spirit. You're already doing it. And I thank you that you said this to us and we just take it as it is. Little ones, if you sin, confess your sins one to another and God will forgive. And if you are sick, he will heal. Lord, we praise you for that. We ask that you would show us the places where we've lost the fear of you and we ask that you would restore in us a right heart and make our path straight. Thank you, God, that today we can turn back to you with all of our hearts. We bless you in Jesus' name, and we thank you. Amen. The prayer servant team is at the back. They've got on lovely little uh, signs that say prayer servant team. And if you need healing in your body or encouragement, or maybe you want to become a follower of Christ today, they would love to pray with you and lead you in that way. Have a great week. God bless you.